0: Welcome to another episode of Mere Taste Buds. We are your buds, Emily and Melissa. And this is a podcast about food, our daily lives, and how they intersect. In today's topic, we will be discussing the ninth month of the Islamic calendar and the most sacred month in Islamic culture, Ramadan. Woo! Mm-hmm. <laughs> What are you sipping on tonight? Tonight, I am actually sipping on some homemade wine. Homemade? Oh, fancy. Uh Cracked a little bottle of this from the cellar, brought it down to the city, and that's what I'm drinking now. How is she tasting? Pretty good. It's basically like grape juice, which is nice. (laughs) Nothing wrong with that. It's been a long day. Yeah. I've got a lovely albarino over here. Love an albarino yeah bravo enjoying it for sure mm. <laughs> it made me think of you as like emily Woodford's i would cheese. i had a good <laughs> bottle of white wine last week and i was like it's been so long because it's just not a winter thing you know i don't i don't do right that. i never drink mm-hmm. it in winter and yeah it's been nice to get that back into the mix yeah most definitely agreed all righty well let's get cooking All right. So a little bit about this sacred month. It is known as a time for piety and self-reflection. And this year's Ramadan is predicted to begin on April 2nd. So we're already basically in it. Sure are. <laughs> and is ending May 2nd with Eid al-Fitr celebrations. And it's interesting because I, I that. think that was pretty close. I tried like practicing <laughs> a bunch of these words beforehand and like listening to the pronunciations and um it's a crapshoot the whole way through. <laughs> yeah. No hope. <laughs> we try every time though, so kudos for trying. Yeah, right? <laughs> always. I mean, at least we know what it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then people will understand what we're trying to say, you know. Absolutely. <laughs> what is kind of cool about Ramadan? is that it also kind of is figured out by the moon cycles, which I feel like any religion that pulls that in, I'm like already a little bit more into you. I don't know why. <laughs> it's more, I don't know. You're in tune uh, with the... Bringing in elements of yes, nature is nice. Yes, yeah. I like that. So the sighting of the new crescent moon signifies the official first day of Ramadan, and it fluctuates each year, obviously, because the, the lunar calendar follows the phases of the moon. So... The beginning and the end are usually determined by that moon sighting committee that's in Saudi Arabia, which is just wild to think about them like scouting this moon <laughs> and like this kicks mm-hmm. off these festivities. But usually the day after the committee spots the new crescent moon, which this can be pretty tricky. It's usually pretty faint and can only be seen for like 20 minutes sometimes. So if a moon isn't... Vis- <laughs> Keep your eye on the sky. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I wonder how many people are on this committee also. It's like very curious. Right? <laughs> But if the moon isn't visible to the naked eye because of like haze or clouds or whatever, be it, there usually will be some sort of like lunar calculations that are used to predict whether it's in the sky or not. So, seems tricky. Jesus, I know lots going into it. I love that. <laughs> yeah, seriously. But supposedly the naming of Ramadan stems from the Arabic root, ar aramad, which means scorching heat, which I like. A, that's a fun meaning. <laughs> <laughs> it's believed to be when the first v- verses of the Quran were revealed to the prophet Muhammad, which was more than 1,400 years ago, which is quite some time. Mm-hmm. According to Islamic texts, when the month of Ramadan starts, the gates of heaven are opened and the gates of hell are closed and the devils are chained. I just love that as a phrase. Wowie. <laughs> what a powerful time. And Muslims believe that back in 16 or 610 AD, the angel Gabriel appeared to Prophet Muhammad and revealed to him the Quran, which is the Islamic holy book. Yeah, and that consists of about 114 chapters and is actually like taken to be the direct words of God or Allah. So, in a lot of these accounts, um there's also some that accompany the Prophet Muhammad's, like, thoughts and deeds that kind of supplement the Qur'an. And together, those two things form the religious text of Islam. So Muslims fast during this month as a way to kind of commemorate the revelation of the Qur'an. Fasting during Ramadan is one of those, like, fundamental aspects of the holiday, and it's called the Five Pillars of Islam. Able-bodied Muslims abstain from food, drink, and even sex from dusk until dawn, and it's both like a physical as well as psychological and spiritual practice for people to embark upon, and there's a lot of different reasons that people practice this one is to foster a relationship with god in lieu of seeking like bodily pleasures which i think is pretty easy to understand and then it's also supposed to encourage compassion towards the poor or be a reminder of the fragility of human life all of which i think are really like beautiful reasons to abstain from this it's a good reminder in all aspects Mm -hmm. we always get so like caught up in our day-to-day lives and like all the bullshit and nonsense so to kind of be reminded by this like everyday practices, it's almost like kind of like a form of meditation too, in like a way. Oh, so, absolutely. I get it. So some of these other pillars are, that are kind of fundamental to the way Muslims live their lives, obviously the fasting is is really big during Ramadan. There's also another pillar that's the profession of faith, which is kind of that belief that there's no other God but Allah and Muhammad is the messenger of God. So that's another kind of thing that's central. There's also alms and giving to charity, which I like that that's built right into the core of this (laughs) religion. I feel like you kind of hear about those things and the Bible obviously talks about like being charitable or things like that, but I feel like it's not really like baked into the core pillar, which I Mm -hmm. like how that's made known (laughs) right from the beginning, Um, kind of taking care of your own. And then prayer, which I mean... They pray five times a day typically. Um, So that's obviously a huge part of their day-to-day life. So that's another one of the things that makes it into the five pillars that kind of are the typical ones. And then I'm also very into this last one, which is a pilgrimage or hajj, which anything that's encouraging you to travel to the origins and go to the heart there's a trip involved. I'm, I'm interested. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's horrible, but I was like, yes, bake that into my religion. <laughs> I can justify I think it. That is a beautiful, <laughs> yeah, beautiful concept though. Like getting back to your roots and to, to know where something comes from, I think is always important, whether it's, you know, where your food's coming from totally. or your religion or your race or anything like those are such pivotal parts of your identity and who you are that uh, it's kind of crazy that we don't have so much attachment to those kinds of things. Oh, 100%. On a more symbolic level, some Muslims believe that each day serves as a reminder of the fragility of life and a representation of its phases. Strength after like sunrise meal often represents youth, whereas weakness at, as the day progresses and represents like old age. And breaking fast at sunset represents paradise after death. So typically during Ramadan, Muslims aim to grow spiritually and also build like stronger relationships with God. And they'd usually do this by praying and reciting the Quran, and then also like making like actions and intentions um, really selfless. And then they try to also abstain from things like gossiping, lying, fighting. So I read a couple of things that were like <laughs> good things to abstain. <laughs> yeah, they are. <laughs> they really are yeah. hard, but good. Mm-hmm. Very hard. We are petty. I love the tea. No, don't yes, lie. <laughs> I'm, I'm all about petty. <laughs> <laughs> it's horrible but it's real mm-hmm. um i saw a couple of things that were like reminding people to be like kind to people during this time and i was like yeah I-, I could see that like these people are trying their best right now to be a higher self and like take the high road here <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. give them give them some easy times <laughs> <laughs> Throughout the month, fasting between sunrise and sunset is considered to be mandatory for all Muslims. However, there are some exceptions. Um, Obviously, people that have an illness, maybe pregnant, traveling, elderly, or even just menstruating might be reasons that you might abstain from fasting. Days missed while fasting can be made up throughout the rest of the year, either all at once or one day here and there. I love that they, A, you can abstain for being on your period like yes <laughs> valid, valid reason, reason. Right. i'm like <laughs> i don't know what will happen yes. by the what will happen yeah. if i don't eat i don't know and i'm not gonna find out <laughs> terrible things yeah <laughs> nothing good for you that's 100 <laughs> and like i like how there's all these sort of like stipulations where it's like even with like the pilgrimage to mecca it's like if you can't make it fine we get it like it's so like you're not not going to be like welcome in in the religion or the faith but there's like also these ones where it's like if you're pregnant or there's other reasons why you can't do it like it's okay you know and like you can make it up throughout Mm -hmm. the year also love that like we're not just like hard and rigid with that yeah Mm. the rigid rules of religion i think have (laughs) what is what has steered many people away from religion so i think having flexibility in that um is certainly more welcoming for and more inclusive you know like there's people with all different kinds of backgrounds and, uh, you know, predisposed conditions that really probably shouldn't be doing certain practices. So Mm -hmm. still being inclusive in that, I think is really awesome. Yeah, agreed. So meals are kind of seen as an opportunity for community, which is something I feel like that transcends across cultures. But in particular, it kind of gives you these chances to gather with others and break their fast together. So I feel like that must feel kind of extra special in those moments because you kind of are all focused on like that moment and action of like eating and breaking fast. So usually there's a pre-dawn breakfast or suhoor, which usually occurs at around 4 a.m. before the first prayer of the day. And then the evening meal or iftar can begin like once the sun sets after that prayer is finished and is normally around like 7.30 or so. So supposedly the prophet Muhammad broke his fast with dates and a glass of water. So Muslims often eat (laughs) dates at both Suhor and Iftar. So it's kind of a staple of the Middle East. Dates are super rich in, in nutrients and easy to digest. So they provide the body with like a lot of sugar after a long day of fasting. So easy little treat probably tastes like the best date you ever mm-hmm. ate after a fast mm-hmm. like <laughs> i feel like they're a chewy kind of food too so it's like the act of just like chewing mm-hmm. for a while you're like thank god <laughs> oh feels great yeah you'll do it for like an hour yeah <laughs> <laughs> after the last day of ramadan muslims celebrate it with eid al fitr which is the festival of breaking the fast and that begins with communal prayers at daybreak during these 3 days of festivities, participants typically gather to pray, eat, exchange gifts, and maybe even pay their respects to deceased relatives. Some cities host carnivals and offer like large prayer gatherings as well. I like that. And it kind of reminded me of like Día de los Muertos a little bit with like the yes. like pay respect to the deceased and like kind of like this little eating, exchanging gift thing even. So, yeah, communal, ancestral, mm-hmm. I love it. All the things. <laughs> So, in America, obviously, we have a a decent population here of of Muslim people. Um, Islam is definitely woven into the fabric of the U.S. I mean, it goes back all the way to, like, colonial America, where they arrived in slave ships from West Africa and then would quietly practice their faith long before uh, the establishment of the Constitution, even. So, today, there's an estimated three to four million American Muslims from all over a different swath of races, ethnicities, socioeconomic backgrounds, like, They are a minority, but they are a growing one for sure. Because there's definitely a lot of, um, like, I think African uh, immigrants too that are are Muslim as well as South Asian. So it's, and the Middle East. So it's definitely kind of got its own rich cultural history in America as well as elsewhere. Yeah. I think it really amazes me how many different places the Muslim faith has. Uh, you know, expanded to. Mm-hmm. I think it, it really is like so global. And I, I don't think I ever really realized quite how many countries had, you know, practicing Muslims in it yeah. um, and t- until I got older. So it's and like learning about this holiday, I think, was so interesting for me just because, I mean, we come from a Catholic background. We didn't really have a lot of exposure to. Mm-hmm. Muslim faith or other faiths in general. Quite frankly, yeah. literally, I was trying to think <laughs> um, of like what I had in my mind from this, and it's like probably like middle school like projects where we researched other religions for like school. Very like very <laughs> yes, basic, basic, knowledge, you know? vague <laughs> knowledge. <laughs> I knew that they were all about Muhammad, but that's probably all I could <laughs> tell you. <laughs> so yeah, it was definitely interesting to get more background. Mm-hmm. <laughs> very real. <laughs> But as we said, not everyone can necessarily fast in this religion, um, but you're still really encouraged to express your faith throughout this charitable holiday. And fasting isn't exclusive to Islam. It's practiced in Judaism and Christianity, all with their very own unique contexts. Yeah, religions and philosophies that practice fasting include Buddhism, Christianity, obviously Islam, Judaism, Taoism. There's like Hinduism. There's so many different ones that have different pieces of that kind of woven in there and usually Mm -hmm. it's with practitioners eating at night but there are some where they really literally fast like the Jewish Yom Kippur is literally 25 hours like not even water supposedly like they're not supposed to have which is which just not work for me at all (laughs) that's a long time no water (laughs) not even water (laughs) yeah you'd be so thirsty oh my god We have just been binge watching Miss Maisel because he has not seen The Marvelous Miss Maisel on Amazon. So we literally just watched from season one all the way through the new season and like watching them (laughs) fasting and some of those were so funny. And like (laughs) the kids are able to like eat chocolate or something because they're young and things like that. But like, yeah, as a practicing Jew, we were not supposed to. So (laughs) I was like, wow, I really feel that vibe of... I mean, we're in Lent right now, and, like, I'm not Catholic anymore, I would not say, but I definitely have been thinking a lot more about this and, like, abstaining from things, and, yeah, no. Mm -mm. Yeah. It doesn't work for me. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) Yom Kippur is also kind of referred to as the Day of Atonement, and it's the best-known fast day. The Jewish calendar has six other fast days as well, including Tish B'Av, and the Day which is kind of like the day of which destruction of the Jewish temple took place. So lots of fasting for the Jews. Mm -hmm. Buddhists often do it uh, with with like the moon cycle as well or other holidays. So it's something that's kind of common amongst them. And then obviously as Catholics, we've got our good old Ash Wednesday and Good Friday, which apparently you're supposed to fast on, which I don't. I don't know if that's like a true fast. I don't recall. Uh, I think you're uh, supposed to. Maybe like back in the day they like fully fasted i guess i don't remember us ever really doing that as kids so i don't know did mom or dad definitely not on good friday right i don't know i don't remember doing that i don't either that's (laughs) i read that and was like are you sure (laughs) (laughs) we didn't eat meat but i don't i don't remember that's on every friday in lent there is no meat also on christmas eve for us like no meat that's just like the way it always was but yeah i I was sure i do i do remember mom saying that like uh for polish catholics they didn't used to eat at all on like the,
1: the day before. before like christmas mm-hmm. Eve. so it was yeah. a fasting thing
0: i'm sure that uh, mom was probably really like, like maybe fasting and we just never realized because i was just like yeah i'm not doing that <laughs> <laughs> um, i mean we were yeah. kids so it's i think it's hard with kids you sure. definitely have lower expectations <laughs> yeah <laughs> everything goes out the window. Uh-huh. <laughs> For Hindus, fasting is a pretty common practice as well, usually on new moon days and during festivals such as Shivarati, Saraswati, or Puja. Mm-hmm. And members of the Latter day Saint movement or the Mormons fast on the first Sunday of each month, which I thought was kind of interesting and random. Like, why? But okay, sure. That's a lot I know of that is. Yeah, Working it in cool. every freaking week. Like, month. All right. The Lord's Day every yeah. day. All right. Well, why the first? I should have done more research into why the first Sunday. Like, why? Like, what? Seems like arbitrary. Seems hard to keep yeah, track of. I almost of. That's I hate how anything I thought, that's like too. the first blah, blah, blah of the month. It's near impossible to remember when that's <laughs> the case. That's why they've chosen it. They're like, eh, no one will remember. It'll be yeah, fine. Yeah, that's partially <laughs> probably why. <laughs> or we're just terrible at keeping track. <laughs> I know my days of the week. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Too funny. There's also – I read about this one that I thought was rather funny because I'd never heard of it. But the article that kept coming up was one about Chris Pratt. And apparently he did the Daniel Fast because it's based on a Bible story where you only eat vegetables and water for 21 days. You're basically just a vegan. (laughs) I was like, aren't you just a vegetarian or vegan? Like, I don't understand. Yeah, um, basically. I don't think that's a, a fast necessarily. <laughs> but okay. Interesting. I uh, see you, Chris Pratt. Yeah. I just kept popping up when I was Googling fasting, and I was like, that's not what I'm looking for, but thank you.
1: <laughs> I'll write it down.
0: <laughs> Native American tribes also have several, you know, fasting practices typically before or during a vision quest there's actually a tribe of siberia that has shamans which are typically like religious people that have the power to heal and communicate psychically and they often received their initial visions not with a quest but more so with an unexplained illness And after the initial vision, they would then fast and train themselves to see further visions and to control spirits. Historically, a lot of priestly societies among like the Pueblo Indians or even other tribes of the American Southwest fasted during retreats before major ceremonies connected with seasonal changes as well. That's pretty cool. Mm Mm-hmm. So something that's become more popular. Pretty crazy to like harness, <laughs> harness spirits and visions and stuff like that all through an illness. That's pretty wild. Yeah, that doesn't really make sense to me fully. I'm a little bit concerned by that <laughs> idea and concept. Like, you got to get sick, yeah, so you can control. <laughs> no, I don't want that. <laughs> I was just listening to some stuff about like long COVID today, and like how like any form of COVID supposedly gives you like mild brain damage. And I was just like, I don't need to hear this anymore. Oh, God. Yeah, I was like, we're yeah, gonna tune no. that out. <laughs> don't yeah. want to hear it <laughs> the last thing i need to know i mean i already knew my brain was doomed yeah <laughs> literally and it makes your brain age faster too They're like some of the studies were saying too basically like makes your yeah, yeah no. between that and like technology today <sighs> and everything else they claim that gives you like alzheimer's and everything i'm like we're doomed. oh we are <laughs> we are yeah it's tragic pretty much yeah but uh Something else that's on another note. (laughs) (laughs) Something that's on a more popular swing these days in like the trending dieting world, which I like every once in a while will poke my nose into just to hear what's going on, and then I'll be like, "Yeah, I'm not doing that." (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What's the latest? Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Intermittent fasting has been like a popular topic for like a few years now, and like people claim that it's just got so many benefits, but essentially. It doesn't specify like which foods you should eat, but rather like when you should eat them essentially. And there's kind of some common methods that involve like 16 hour fasts or like sometimes it's like twice per week. So you like go like a couple days on, couple days off kind of a thing. But um, yeah, it's kind of an interesting concept for sure. But I debate whether yeah. <laughs> it really would work for my lifestyle personally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know about for you, it may not work no. for you. I feel like you need to eat every two I am hours. a two hour like, person your MO you know mm-hmm. me honestly I feel like I I do do two of the methods <laughs> of intermittent fasting already like that's just how I live my life mm-hmm. so typically they kind of categorize them into three different types or methods of intermittent fasting the first is referred to as the sixteen-eight method which is the most popular it's also called the Lee Gannon's Protocol, and it involves skipping breakfast and restricting your daily eating to like eight hours, so like 1 to 9 p.m., for example. Is it lean gains and then- or is it le- whatever you're just I don't know. Leanne Gaines. Isn't it Gain. Lean Gaines? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how to say it. I don't know. That works too hard. <laughs> I thought we established that pronunciation <laughs> is not what you come to this podcast for. Accurate. <laughs> and if you want an accurate pronunciation. Accurate. You should Google it. We myself. just told you how to basically spell it so you can figure it out. Exactly. Bless. Leanne Gaines. Lean Gaines. Yeah. <laughs> <By the way. laughs> Proceed. I like it. I like it. <laughs> but yeah, so pretty much daily eating happens between like an eight hour period and then you would fast for 16 hours in between. And that's pretty much how I would feel hmm. like I eat my meals today. Like I usually eat lunch around one and then have dinner around like seven or eight. Um, you don't eat breakfast? That's like all I really do. I don't do breakfast most days unless like I wake up starving and then I'll eat breakfast. Man, <laughs> I can't do that. So. Yeah. The other method is an eat stop eat method, which involves fasting for 24 hours once or twice a week. And so, like, for example, you might not eat dinner one day and then you won't eat again until dinner the next day. Oof. Um, I feel like sometimes I do that, but not as much. That's like pretty drastic. That's like how lazy am I right now? <laughs> I'm like trying to find a reason why I would do that. Like why? <laughs> Time saver, man. Oh yeah, a huge time saver. Okay, not having to cook all those meals. Yeah, but like snacking sure. on something. I don't have something to snack on. That just seems crazy. Even just a She's carrot. Drinking lots of water, <laughs> filling your body with water. Oh. I think also when I like have a lot of coffee too. Oh, like, yeah, coffee really suppresses my appetite. Or okay. if I'm super stressed, my appetite's God. usually suppressed. So like, I wish that happened. Those are reasons when I probably don't eat as much as well. <sighs> I wish. And then the last method. Is the five to two diet. And with this method, you consume only five hundred to six hundred calories on two like non consecutive days of the week. Mm. But you would normally eat the other five days. This is the only one that I think I could maybe like get down with. Yeah, it's like a little here and there Mm -hmm. kinda, you know, and like tiny meals on the other ones and then yeah, regular eating on the other. Mm. <laughs> Essentially by reducing your calorie intake though, all of these methods should cause weight loss as long as you don't compensate by eating much more during the eating periods or by like choosing absolute like shit quality. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the the key factor right is like you can't just binge eat and like eat these large, huge, caloric meals mm-hmm. <laughs> and consider yourself still fasting. Yeah, it's not working. <laughs> uh, but yeah, when you do fast, several things happen in your body on like, both a cellular and molecular level. For example, your body adjusts your h- hormone levels to make stored body fat more accessible. So levels of like your hormone growth skyrocket and increase as much as fivefold, which hmm. is kind of insane. And that obviously benefits for fat loss and muscle gain. Your cells will also start to initiate um, important repair processes and change the expression of your genes, what? which basically means that your cells will dig- digest and remove old and dysfunctional proteins to build up inside of your cells, and those will then like create better functionality for more longevity and protection against disease. Hmm. All right, maybe I should experiment. Insulin sensitivity also improves, and levels of insulin drops dramatically. So lower insulin levels usually make stored body fat more accessible. Hmm. I should probably play with it more too. I guess maybe and like experiment to see if there's a way that that could be more like advantageous to me, just to see. I mean, think about it. You've honestly done it. Like we've done cleanses before, Mm -hmm. where you know we're drinking maybe like six juices a day or something, and 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 not eating. That's not huge. Mm-hmm. Like that to me is a, a form of fasting. Yeah. Bit, right? Oh, totally. You know, it's like you're not having food. Um so I think there's definitely like ways that you can make it work for you. Uh it's just a matter of determining like what are the right levels and what days work for me for that. Yeah and, it's know, really hard kind of. I feel like now that bit. I live with With my partner or my boyfriend. It's near impossible, I think, when you live with someone else in general, because you're like operating on someone else's schedule. Yeah. I've had to ask myself a lot more like, am I actually hungry now? Like, do I need to eat this? Because it's like Mm -hmm. sometimes I'll just eat because he's eating, or like I eat a lot because I'm bored sometimes too. And it's just like something to do. So it's just like, I have to like reassess why my brain is telling me to eat the food a lot of the time to be like, do I actually need these calories right now? So, yeah. I think that's also why we enjoyed doing the cleanses and the fasts that we have done in the past is because it really showed us like, <laughs> we weren't really hungry. We were just doing it because yeah. we needed something to do or, you know, we were bored or whatever. Mm-hmm. We wanted something to chew on. Yeah, It's <laughs> um, an excuse to take a break you know, I, too, which is like, I could take a break yes. and do anything. It does not have to be eating. <laughs> yeah. Your brain is like trained, yeah. you know, it has that that rhythm and routine that it's so used mm-hmm. to. So I think- Uh, you know breaking that cycle and kind of training it like hey take a break you don't necessarily need this right now eat when you're hungry yeah um is is a valuable tactic definitely and it's it's so funny because like I'm so like rigid in like breakfast lunch and dinner and like feeling like I need to have these like three square meals kind of a thing and it's like I don't Mm -hmm. need to do that either like that's completely arbitrary so it's like why am I even trying to fit my life into this box unnecessary yeah I mean, every article that I was reading too is like human beings were never really like meant to eat like that. Yeah, like food was scarce for so long. Mm -hmm. You know, we were hunting and gathering and things like that. So it's not like we had these regimented meal schedules. We were actually intermittent fasting more often than not. So it's it's a very natural human Hmm. uh, you know reaction and response. Um, And so that is kind of why our body does. Change and regulate in the way that it does is because it goes back all the way to way back when, when we were, you know, cavemen and, yeah. you know, we weren't always able to find food as easily and we were going, you know, days or months or whatever without eating certain proteins. Wild. So mm-hmm. these hormonal changes in your body can actually change like your m- metabolic rate quite a bit and can actually increase it by three to 14% with short intermittent fasting. So, the eating pattern can such a wild swing, like fourteen percent. It a lot. is, it is. Like you're burning, just like totally different. Your body changes, so it's wild to think that mm-hmm. that could really trigger all these different things to happen. But that eating pattern can then also cause a three to eight percent weight loss over about like three to twenty four weeks. And then um, some people that also lost four to seven percent of their waist circumference. That also kind of indicates that there was a significant loss of like belly fat and things that build up around your organs and cause diseases. So. I mean, obviously, the main reason for its success is that it helps you to eat fewer calories overall. So obviously, like we said, binging and eating massive amounts during your eating periods <laughs> isn't going to help you lose any weight. But just helping you to kind of focus more of your energy on like consciously eating and choosing to eat like the right things in smaller amounts is something that I'm always trying to f- to do. So like this is maybe I'm maybe I'm into intermittent fasting. I think this just like changed my mind. Yeah. <laughs> See, I think it just like uh. is a conscious thing. I think you got to figure out which method works best for you mm-hmm. and go from there. But there are a lot of major health benefits, you know, it's weight loss like we've mentioned several times now, it helps you lose weight and belly fat um by restricting those calories, also insulin resistance which can lower blood sugars and um you know increase insulin levels by 20 to 31%, which helps you protect against diabetes inflammation is also a, a huge thing so some studies show that reductions in markers of inflammation and is a a huge like driver in many chronic diseases mm-hmm. And then it also is important for heart health. So it can reduce like bad cholesterol or triglycerides, inflammatory markers, blood sugar, all those kinds of things, which are all risk factors for heart disease. And all these things, of course, are linked to cancer and all that good stuff. So <laughs> anytime you're reducing a lot of these other things. Everything is. Yeah, exactly. Once you're reducing a lot of these other things, you're also reducing your risk of cancer, which is great. And helping your brain health, which I would never think because I feel like my brain Would be wanting to shut down on me if I didn't feed it, but it's really not as hungry as I think it is. (laughs) (laughs) Supposedly, it helps with the brain hormone that aids like the growth of of new nerve cells. So, supposedly, it can help protect against Alzheimer's, which is a huge fear of mine. So, let's hope that's true. But. I mean, reason to start fasting Mm -hmm. (laughs) and obviously other like anti-aging properties too. So supposedly it can help extend the lifespan in rats that they were studying. So that's kind of an interesting finding that you wouldn't like necessarily correlate, I feel like. Uh, But of course, like these studies, none of this stuff is ever funded enough to give us like real sound results, I feel like, but. No. It's always interesting to hear. The life of a rat, like, I don't yeah. know how trusted. <laughs> exactly. That can really a be a lab but... rat, too. Like, mm-mm. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's not living a quality one, too. Also, begin with, the that study say, that we so. have written down says 36 to 83%. That is a huge swing. That's a, such a swing. <laughs> yeah, there's no like conclusive <laughs> evidence either direction on that. <laughs> but I love it. <laughs> Are you the optimist or the same? Yeah, pick, pick your poison. <laughs> half full, half empty. We got it both. <laughs> oh, man. But the, as you said, the saving the time too, not planning and cooking as much, doing less dishes, just living. Yes. Yeah, I think those are all like very important things to consider. You know? yes, that was <laughs> the best part about doing the juice cleanses was literally zero dishes and literally hours yeah. back in my day from not cooking, mm-hmm. which I love to I cook, to Think, but it. like Damn, it is. But sometimes you just need to break Yeah. you know? Oh, my God. Yeah, it's a gift. There is some evidence that intermittent fasting may not be as beneficial for women as it is for men, which I thought hmm. was pretty interesting. There was some studies that showed that it improved insulin se- sensitivity in men, but actually worsened blood sugar control in women, huh. or it also showed that, like, there's a number Of reports with women whose menstrual period stopped when they started doing intermittent fasting and then went back to normal when they resumed their resumed their previous like eating patterns Mm -hmm. and i i can totally believe that like honestly for me my period fluctuates a lot when i am you know like eating differently Mm -hmm. or working out a lot more and stuff like that like when i was playing a ton of sports and you know i I barely had a period if ever you know and there are also times in college when like i was (laughs) <laughs> basically, intermittent fasting <laughs> without really realizing it. <laughs> and I definitely like barely got my period during those times as well. So I think that it's it's certainly something to be conscious of um, because that is something that could be problematic. it just makes me up even up more, more scared like of birth control than ever because mine like never changes. So it's like, <laughs> that's not great. Yeah. What is it doing that it's never yeah. changing? That's too, too consistent. Buying. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, obviously, you should also be careful if you have, like, any underlying conditions, which sometimes you may not know what those are, too. So it's one of those things where, like, you really have to just be, like, focused on your body and, like, listening to yourself um, to kind of find out what's right for you. Because, yeah, again, not for everyone. But – Obviously, like water, coffee, tea, and other non-caloric beverages are totally fine to do. You can't usually add like sugar to your coffee, so like small amounts of milk or cream may be acceptable. But you're gonna have to kind of go more (laughs) simplified on a lot of things. But supposedly, coffee can be particularly beneficial during fasting because it can, like as you said, like suppress your appetite and just like cut off your hunger, which. I do kind of enjoy having the coffee a little bit because it does keep me from feeling hungry for a while. I have noticed that. Yeah, but I also hate drinking coffee on an empty stomach because it makes me 10 times jitterier. I get the coffee sweats like no other. And honestly, it just makes me feel like kind of like nauseous. You know, it gives me like an upset stomach a little bit. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. Same. But it definitely does suppress your hunger. Yeah, (laughs) that's very true. It also says to keep in mind like when you're taking like supplements and things like that too, a lot of those times those are meant to be taken like with meals. So I know whenever I take like, yeah. vitamins without eating, if you take a fish oil pill without eating, you will have the worst fish <laughs> oil burps of your life. <laughs> so PSA warning on that. <laughs> we should do an episode on burps. Oh my because god. Your burps are wicked. We were I was just <laughs> talking up with Derek about that because yeah, I don't know what's going on inside my body. (laughs) If I could Osmosis Jones into that bitch to see, I would love it. Like magic school, bust me down. Help me miss Frizzle. (laughs) I don't even know. Help me miss Frizzle. (laughs) I got questions. I got questions. Yeah. I'd love to see. It seems horrifying. I'll I'll add it to the Rolodex. (laughs) (sighs) And then finally, I think, What's also interesting about fasting is that it's also been used as a form of protest mm-hmm. for, honestly, like as long as time has existed, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, the most famous instance, I think, that comes to mind of like fasting as a form of protest would be Gandhi using his struggle for India's freedom from colonial rule Um back in like the mid-1900s. So honestly, there's a lot a lot of history within fasting as a form of protest within India in particular. Um, one of the longest fasts in history was 116 oh days. And it was in order to prove conditions. Uh, uh, it was like trying to improve conditions for prisoners in India. Wow. And unfortunately, the the person that was doing this fast ended up actually dying of starvation in 1929. So like, it's definitely very serious. It's taken very seriously. I would say Um, it did end up like giving some public sympathy, sympathy from the hunger strike and forced British jailers to concede some of the demands and improve some of the living conditions of those prisoners. So like these things do have real, effects, um, and it, it is a, like a powerful form of, of movement and protest, mm-hmm. but you also have to have like crazy strong convictions to like really follow through with something like that. You know, like 116 days is no joke. I can't even imagine. I have no idea how you could last that long. That's amazing. Yeah. There's some other hunger strikes that literally have only lasted like a matter of hours. Yeah. So like to have the the will and the conviction to to withstand that, I think is pretty in, incredible but uh, yeah I think I think it's pretty cool that that is a form of protest I'm not really sure when or why it, it became a thing I think that it's just something that like shows such solidarity and is such a fundamental revolt against something that seems so normal for us you know that like how could it not be powerful yeah you know like that food is our our basic essential need and to to revolt against that and say no you know i'm not i'm going to going to abstain from this until xyz happens Mm -hmm. uh, you know i don't know many people that would do that (laughs) no i mean there's few things you can control in this world and like that's that's one of them you know so it's Mm -hmm. you're able to do people are able to to do that because it's all they have you know it's like i can control my body and myself and that's all i like i've been given so it's like i can put what i want into my body and and make a statement with that which is yeah making a statement with food is definitely powerful Mm -hmm. also really sad that people have to resort to like abstaining from a basic human need necessity yeah, to, to yeah. prove a point mm-hmm. like how wrong is the wrong for mm-hmm. that to be what's right yeah you know what i totally. mean like that's pretty messed up but yeah obviously those movements have been shaping the history of our world so it's very important uh, to keep in mind definitely i think when researching this um this was just fun to to look into and it made me realize that like I need to exploit some of my friends <laughs> more. And, like, Misa, I'm coming for you because, like, she's one of my only Muslim friends and I have never really talked to her about, like, her favorite cultural foods or things like that and um, definitely made me wanted to, like, reach out and we definitely should have interviewed her for this because that would have been really fun. But, yeah, 100%. I would love to know more about Muslim food in general and yeah. like, traditions for sure. I mean, like, because we grew up in the community that we grew up in, I feel like we were so... Underexposed and like stunted. Hundred percent. Other faiths, you yes. know, like I didn't know another Jewish person until I went to Northwestern. Yes, you know, and then I, I was like, <laughs> like everyone I knew was pretty much Jewish <laughs> yeah, that neighborhood. <laughs> 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 you know, like Skokie uh, and, and Evanston have like a very real. high Jewish population, so it was like such a culture shock for me, honestly, to go into this environment where I, I had no idea what these people were partaking in you know mm-hmm. like it was yeah it's very common to have those kind of like you know cultural things around me so it yeah I think that it definitely shows me that I should like get more acquainted with these other cultures and practices yeah. and uh you know ask our friends who take part in mm-hmm. them because share your story quite a, a diverse f- friend group at this point yes. you know um <laughs> And I'd love to, like, hear some of the recipes, like, that they have, too, because it's like, oh, I've never even heard of some of these things. Like, I want to know about all of them. (laughs) Yes, teach me your ways, for sure. I bet it's delicious every last week. Oh, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) I love Jewish food that I do know, so I can only imagine (laughs) the stuff I don't. Yeah, I I would love that, too, because with... Obviously, like Muslim faith, it's all over. So, like, you have, like, this big, like, mm-hmm. Middle Eastern vibe. Yeah, like, like African, yes, African Muslims. Like, there's just diff- so probably many so different. different, yeah, like, twists and, and turns with it. So, I love that. Definite. That is so true. Mm-hmm. Well, on that note, I feel like we should cheers. I mean, obviously, to the celebrations ahead. I mean, Ramadan is just getting started. Lent is just winding down. So, cheers to that and to just being kind to each other because these are trying times and if you are hangry oof i feel you i feel you I'm gonna, be ni- I'm gonna be nicer <laughs> just assume that that's why you're the way you are <laughs> and you may be hangry, yeah you may so. be hangry and i'm just gonna just that's a good way to just like live yes. life you know like be kind because they may be yeah hangry. be kind and forgive because they may be hangry <laughs> cheers, cheers. Still not satiated? Hungry for more? Mirpa Taste Buds now has a way for fans to support the show on Patreon. Members receive benefits such as access to bonus content, show notes, special limited edition merch, early access to all episodes, a recipe of the month, and even monthly Ask Us Anythings. Your buds offer three different tiers. For as low as $5, you can be some healthy celery. Got some more bread? You must be a curious carrot. Straight ballin' with $20 to spare? Wealthy Onion is calling your name. Check out our website and click on the support tab to get started.